Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we continue to discuss Mormon polygamy, its founder, Joseph Smith, and the dreadful consequences that plague our modern society because of his polygamy. We continue to wonder why people choose to follow Joseph when Jesus is all we need. But before we get started to find out how we can help you or someone that you know escape from a polygamy group, you can call our toll-free number. It's 877-425-9993. We can have a confidential discussion about your situation. Or you can go to our website, shieldandrefuge.org, to find out more about our ministry. Or if you would like to contact us about any of our shows or be a guest on our show, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Also, audio versions of this program are now available to download and take with you. You can find information on how to do that on our website's main page or go to soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis. And now I would like to thank our co-host, Earl Erskine, for being with us again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. For sharing the information that yeah. we put together for this. Yeah, it's excellent. From time to time, we have been doing and presenting shows uh, where we talk about the story of each of the 34 wives of Joseph Smith. This time, we are going to talk about Joseph Smith's 16th and 17th wives. And as usual, most of our information is taken from Todd Compton's well-documented historical book entitled In Sacred Loneliness. And some of our information also comes from George D. Smith's excellent book entitled Nauvoo Polygamy. Joseph Smith's 16th plural wife was Martha McBride Knight Smith Kimball. Right. Two of those names are from polygamists. Martha McBride was born in March of 1805 in the state of New York. There's very little is really known about her parents. She was the youngest of a family of seven older brothers and one sister. Uh, when Martha was 21 years old, she married Vincent Knight, and he was 22 years old. By September of 1833, Martha and Vincent were parents of four children. That same year, four of Martha's siblings and her mother were baptized into the Mormon church. At that time, Martha and her husband, Vincent, began investigating Mormonism for themselves. Martha met Joseph Smith for the first time in the spring of 1833 when a friendship began to develop between them. Now, Joseph Smith stayed as a guest at their home about a year later, and as we've pointed out many times before, <laughs> often he would thing. get plural wives from staying in her home or she had stayed in his yeah. home at some point. Martha and her husband uh, became strong Mormons. In fact, they sold their property in New York at a great sacrifice in order to, uh, to move to Kirtland with the Mormons. 
Now, it's not unusual in early Mormon history to find that people have sold assets and property at a great loss just to follow Joseph Smith. I don't know why they didn't have the patience to wait and get a better price, but the, you know, they sold it at a great loss and yeah, took that's off. What we, that's what we read anyway, is <laughs> yeah. that they do that. Don't know why that is. The Knights became such strong supporters of the Mormon faith that after Vincent became a member, he wrote a condemning letter to his own mother. We quote from In Sacred Loneliness. His enthusiasm showed through here. <laughs> that must have been what it is. <laughs> On June 24, 1835, Vincent wrote to his mother with the judgmental, tactless fervor of the new convert. Now you think that your priests are holy? I do know that the foundation you stand on is an abomination in the sight of God. <laughs> pretty tough words Yeah, there. pretty tough words to his mother. Uh, now, of course, the Mormons in those days, just like today, that they had little tolerance That's for true. the beliefs of people outside of the Mormon faith and even from their own non-Mormon family. Sadly, neither Vincent, nor Martha, nor Joseph Smith did due diligence or even any diligence to discover whose belief was or was not an abomination. Vincent and Joseph Smith had a very close relationship and had some secret financial dealings with each other. They worked closely and sometimes secretly together for the rest of our lives. It makes you wonder what was going yeah, on. Yeah. Vincent um, had several high offices and positions in the early Mormon church. He was ordained an elder in 1836. He was made a high priest and a counselor a week and a half later. Martha, his wife, of course, would have had increased visibility and responsibility as a result of her husband's prominent position with Joseph Smith. Now, the couple left Kirtland and moved to Missouri when the Mormon War of 1838 was beginning. And several months later, they settled in Adam on Diamon, where Vinson was appointed acting bishop yeah. of the, the, the that stake. So he just goes into a place and bam, he's in he's in charge of just Sounds that. Sounds like fast. he has a good connection there. He had a good connection. Yeah. He admitted, of course, in a letter that he was in a very good situation. We have a quote from In Sacred Loneliness about the the um, Missouri troubles and conflicts that were going on at that time. Yeah, again from In Sacred Loneliness. As bishop in a major Mormon settlement, Vincent was undoubtedly in the thick of the Missouri troubles and conflicts. According to some sources, he was associated with the Mormon paramilitary forces, the Danites. And as bishop received Danite plunder at Diamond, which he divided among the church members. He was part of a committee promising peace with the citizens of Millport, a community of non-Mormons near Adam on Diamond. It was probably in these late summer and early fall months, especially, that Vincent became a fugitive in Missouri, possibly further evidence of his Danite connections. We'll, we'll need to do some shows on the Danites and <laughs> all these secret things they, they did. Because they came out to Utah, a lot, too, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. There's a lot of, of hidden information about it. Anyway, the Danites comprised most of the 400 or so Mormon men who surrendered to state militia, and Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon and several other Danite leaders were arrested and spent the next few months in jail awaiting trial on treason and murder charges. Most of the other 15,000 or so Mormons were banished from Missouri and settled near Quincy, Illinois. By the way, most of the violence 
that took place was not persecution of the Mormons. Some of it was, but most of it was a result of the greater population's fear yeah. of the Mormons and their illegal activities Including. and their violence, and there were many. And of course, some of them were scared to death that the Mormons were going to come and steal their women yeah. uh, into plural I'm marriage. I'm sure that was part of, the, part and of their thinking. it did happen, too, yeah, a little bit. I'm sure. <laughs> but that's entirely, like we say, a different show, a different story we can do at some point. Anyway, history shows that Joseph Smith did not disband the Danites. They were either in jail or had moved to Illinois. Now, many former Danites from Missouri later became Nauvoo policemen and Joseph Smith's bodyguards or Nauvoo legionnaires. Now, Vincent, Martha's husband, was involved yeah. in these people, meaning that the Danites were Joseph Smith's uh, most trusted and loyal followers. They were his secret police, and they carried out many of his secret and violent commands. As problems and scrimmages with the Mormons and the people around their settlements continued to get worse, Martha and Vincent also moved away and eventually moved into Nauvoo, where Vincent was appointed bishop of the lower ward. Again, immediately he's, yeah. he's put into a position. Yeah. Although life was tough, Vinson had been in a good position with the church, and with Joseph Smith, he owned the first red brick building wow. in the city of Nauvoo, and Martha continued to fulfill the, the position of Bishop's wife and having regular contact with Joseph Smith. And later that year, Joseph Smith taught Martha's husband, Vinson, the principle of plural marriage, and he accepted it. It wasn't long before he took a second wife. Real arm twist there. <laughs> <laughs> right. And her name was Felinda Merrick. It's interesting to know that Martha's husband was one of the very first followers of Joseph Smith to enter into plural marriage. We quote from In Sacred Loneliness what happened when he told his wife that he would be taking another wife. So interesting. He also explained to her that he had been told to enter plural marriage, that if he had to, this sister Merrick would be the one he could help best. He must have been greatly relieved when Martha replied, is that all? Vincent was subsequently sealed to Felinda. And that makes you wonder. She already knew about plural marriage, she and probably, she, so it didn't shock her. If she was that in on the her. circle, she probably knew about Joseph's yeah, other uh, I think so. conquests. Vincent was part of Joseph Smith's private inner circle. He knew their secrets and of their legal acti illegal activities and was even part of some of them. We quote again from page 370. Yeah, this must have irked the Masons. In June 6th of 1841, when Smith, when Smith was arrested, he chose Vincent as a member of his bodyguard. One month later, in a session attended by Smith, Vincent received the first degree of Masonry, and four days later, yeah. he was raised to the sublime degree of Master Mason. That was fast. Yeah, That's would, not normal. Would, no. <laughs> During this period of time, we know uh, a lot about Vincent's activities, but very little of Martha's. In July of 1842, Vincent suddenly fell seriously ill with typhoid fever, and several days later he died, making Martha a widow. Smith quickly swooped in, <laughs> and within a month of her husband's death, she married Joseph Smith and became his 16th plural wife. Heber C. Kimball performed the ceremony. She was 37, Smith was 36. A later affidavit sworn by Martha is on record as proof that she was a plural wife of Joseph Smith. 
Be it remembered that on this 8th day of July, A.D. 1869, personally appeared before me, Edward Partridge, Martha McBride Kimball, who was by me sworn, and upon her oath saith, that sometime in the summer of the year 1842, at the city of Nauvoo, she was married or sealed to Joseph Smith. So there is a historical record and that she, she was, was a plural wife. Martha's later obituary also confirmed that she had been married to him. So this is an historical and documented plural marriage of Joseph Smith. There's very little known about the life of Martha and, and Joseph after they were married, but there was a man by the name of Sylvester Stoddard, who was a widower in his early 40s, who was bitterly opposed to polygamy, and he tried to influence Martha's 17-year-old daughter, Almira, to reject polygamy. We quote why in this next incident. At the same time he began to court her, other men were also interested in Martha's oldest daughter. According to family traditions, one day Joseph Smith called on his plural wife and asked her if Elmira would consent to become the plural wife of Hiram. A typical polygamous proposal delivered unromantically through two intermediaries. Martha agreed to discuss the matter with Elmira, but when she did, the teenager refused the the proposal. So she was listening to Sylvester Stoddard who was trying yeah. to tell her not to accept polygamy. So again we see some underpinnings yeah. of, of what's going on. And I, of course I can't help but wonder either if he married the mother so he could more easily get to the daughter like he did in other situations, yeah, other circumstances. On June 27th of 1844, Joseph Smith was killed, making Martha a widow again. She later married Heber C. Kimball for time and remarried or remained married to Joseph Smith for eternity. And Vincent, her only legal husband, would have been left in limbo in Mormon heaven with no wife at all. I wonder how they explained that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. She later wrote that living as a plural wife in Heber C. Kimball's large family in Utah was not an easy task. He had a huge challenge to be able to give to so many women the emotional attention and financial help that they all needed. Heber C. Kimball ended up having 45 wives. Sadly, polygamous men rarely <clears throat> are able to give to their wives the emotional and financial attention they need. Martha's marriage to Heber C. Kimball was never a close intimate relationship. She died at the ripe old age of 96 years old on mm. November 20th of 1901 and was buried in the Ogden City Cemetery. Martha's statement that living polygamy was difficult and that emotional and financial needs are not achieved is yet another personal testimony that pioneer Mormon polygamy was not the romantic, godly, super spiritual experience that so many contemporary LDS claim yeah. that it was. So that's the story of his 16th wife. Now, now, during the will, just an aside here, during the winter of 1841 and 1842, Joseph Smith married a total of six women. Wow. He married four more women that spring and five more women that summer. He took 15 plural wives in those few short months. According to Nauvoo polygamy, 10 of those women were already married women. Three of them were widows, two were single women aging from 17 to 53 years old. Then he stopped for a six-month sabbatical from further plural marriages. Tired out, I guess. <laughs> I don't think it was that. I think oh, it was something else. Okay. As our next quote will explain. <laughs> 
For about six months between August 1842 and February 1843, Joseph Smith may have courted, but according to available records, did not marry additional wives. Even so, he taught the principle to his apostles who had returned from their missions to England through the latter half of 1841. By year-end 1842, and likely before the six-month pause, four of Smith's associates had married additional women. So he was certainly promoting. He it. was promoting the polygamy. It was August 19th of 1842 that John C. Bennett published a letter that Joseph Smith had written to Nancy Rigdon in his attempt to slander her because she had refused Joseph Smith's proposal to become a plural <laughs> wife. He used this thread, of course, several times in his quest to build his harem. And several days after that, Orson Pratt, Sidney Rigdon, and Ebenezer Robinson refused to say that Joseph Smith's character was good, which sent Joseph Smith into I'll orbit. He bet. could not handle negative remarks against him. On the last day of August, Joseph Smith addressed the Relief Society, we quote from Nauvoo Polygamy. Interesting wording here. Although I do wrong, I do not the wrongs that I am charged with doing. The wrong that I do is through the frailty of human nature like other men. No man lives without fault. Do you think that even Jesus, if he were here, would be without fault in your eyes? If you know anything, hold your tongues, and the least harm will be done. Of course, mm. we can't let that pass by without no. comment. No. Now, this was a veiled warning, of course, which included a threat against anyone yeah. who knew about polygamy and talked about it. And regarding his remark that Jesus was sinful, I would hate to be in Joseph Smith's shoes when he faced Jesus himself and had to answer how he would dare charge the sinless Jesus with having sin in his efforts to justify his own wrongs. If Jesus ever did wrong, then we're all in, yeah. in big trouble because it takes someone without sin to die in the place of sinners. Only Jesus was without any fault with no sin at all. So only Jesus could be the Savior that we all need. The very next day, the Mormon publication Times and Seasons reprinted an official statement and we quote it again. Yeah, inasmuch as this Church of Christ has been reproached with the crime of fornication and polygamy, we declare that we believe that one man should have one wife and one woman but one husband. Amazing. <sighs> Amazing isn't it? is so right. Yeah. Notice that the Mormon Church's own publication not only lied about polygamy in their church system, but called it a crime. Ooh, God's true church <laughs> will not do these things. And when this statement was published in the summer of 1842, Joseph Smith himself had 16, 16 wives. Months. Smith took six months' time to back off from taking more plural wives, like we talked about earlier, probably because of the charges that John C. Bennett had made against him. Yeah. And when these things began to settle down, Joseph Smith regained his confidence and again began taking more plural wives. If polygamy wasn't driven by sexual lust, why did these men have dozens of wives? Yeah. I don't know what else it would be. Now to Joseph Smith's 17th wife. She was Ruth Daggett Vos Sayers Smith. These are tongue twisters. Long, long she, names. <laughs> she was the first plural wife he took after his six-month sabbatical, and he would take many more wives after her. When Joseph Smith took Ruth Sayers as his 17th plural wife, he had been married to Emma for 16 years. 
Joseph and Emma had had four children together by then. They were ages 11, 10, 6, and 4 years old. Why wasn't his wife and children enough family for Joseph? Does God really ask a family to forfeit a supportive husband so he can pursue other women? Joseph Smith probably met Ruth Sayers 11 years earlier in Boston, and she married Edward Sayers in 1841 and was still married to Edward when she married Joseph Smith in 1842. Ruth is another of Joseph Smith's plural wives where there's very little biographical information about her. She had no children, so there was no family to talk about. She was born in February of 1808 in Norfolk, Massachusetts, and joined the Mormon Church probably in May of 1832, and Brigham baptized her in August of 1836, and that's mm. four years later. Yeah, that seems a little strange it, to that long. but Yeah, and there's really no answer to why that is, but that's what the records show. Okay. Ruth was said to have given everything she had towards building the Kirtland Temple, keeping only what she needed for personal uh, necessities. In 1841, Ruth married Edward Sayers, who was a non-Mormon and never became a Mormon. He was 39 years old, and she was 33, and they never had children. In August, Joseph Smith was arrested for his part in the shooting of Missouri Governor Lilburn Boggs, but he escaped and went into hiding. Joseph Smith used Ruth and Edward Sayers to help him hide. We quote from In Sacred Loneliness. On August 10th, William Clayton, Smith's clerk, wrote that the Mormon leader and a few close companions had been conveyed up the Mississippi River in a skiff. Then they were, then they were landed below the Wiggins farm. They then proceeded to the timber to Brother Sayers' house where they were very kindly received and made welcome. So Ruth and her husband hid Joseph Smith yeah. from the Missouri sheriff uh, and he stayed with them about a week, not, yeah. not known for sure how long he stayed with them before he moved on. So if they had been caught doing this, uh, yeah. of course they would have been in legal trouble right. as well for, for hiding him after escaping arrest. Uh, and of course during that time, uh, Joseph Smith would have come to know Ruth and Edward very, very well, well yeah. which is again another one of those times where he married women where he had stayed in their home or she had stayed in his. Yeah. And, and it just makes you wonder what his motive operation was during the times he stayed in their homes. It would have been fun to a fly on the wall to watch that kind of <laughs> subtle approach and everything. Yeah, you know, how, how he, we, how they how watched we, each other. Because he was successful what? so often. You know. So often, yeah. you're right, that's the point. Yeah. Um, about six months later, in February of 1843, Ruth was married to Joseph Smith. So that was six months after he hid in their home yeah. that he married her. And she was still married to her husband and remained married to him. Uh, Hiram Smith, his brother, officiated at the ceremony. Uh, as always with the case, like we just said, uh, when Joseph Smith married polyandrously, she continued to live with her husband after she and Joseph were married, but we don't know if he knew. Um, and, and I hope that as we go through this, that our viewers, the, that we don't have any viewers who actually believe that God smiles yeah. on this kind of behavior. God has a lot to say against adultery. Ruth was married, a married woman, and Joseph Smith was a married man, both married to different people, and then they turned around and married each other. Um, there, there's just nothing that can be said that could be right. You could about almost that. picture him in his argument to discuss the fact that uh, he wasn't a member, 
and that she wouldn't be that able to. That was some of their reasoning. Yeah, he, he probably would have used that as part of the argument. It was a civil marriage, and now this will be a sacred yeah, marriage. He would in that one, but he was married to others who were members. Oh, well, for sure. So had no, the, I mean, it doesn't the, justify the consistency any consistency wouldn't have yeah. been there for that one. But to and talk her into it, you know. True. Uh, know. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Smith was killed in June of 1844. And in July, Ruth went to her sister in Boston. She and her husband stayed in Boston until 1849 when they traveled to Utah, where they lived and died. Her husband, Edward, died in July of 1861. And in June of 1884, Ruth became ill. And she died a couple of months later at the age of 76. History records that her husband Edward never did become a Mormon all those years, although he put up with her Mormonism, uh, if you want to say it like that. He was friendly <laughs> to them. And it's never known in any of the uh, writings or historical writings whether he discovered the relationship between her <laughs> and Joseph Smith. Nauvoo Polygamy, the book Nauvoo Polygamy is a very good book because it, it shows a different, uh, more history in the Nauvoo era than right. in Sacred Loneliness does. They're both excellent books. Right. But it is in Nauvoo where polygamy really mushroomed uh, in, in huge in numbers. Those 80, 1841 through 1844 and that's During when the that other the associates were taking or the apostles and others mm -hmm. were taking wives and, secretly know. and yeah. hiding it and hiding it behind the relief society yeah. and and all those um it it isn't known if ruth and joseph smith was a sexually intimate marriage it doesn't say yay or nay regarding that um but she was she did refuse to be sealed to him posthumously mm. which is unusual yeah. and and we can't well, we just kind of wonder why, wonder why she refused, she refused yeah. why she refused to be. Uh, and of course, we don't know why because it doesn't say many of his plural wives were sealed to him after he died. And see, that's what I always thought uh, was the whole, I never knew that he had actual wives, or at least we never talked about it. It was always after he died that women wanted to be sealed to him so that's, that they could be part of his group in heaven, you know, later on, but not... And that's the argument that a lot of people have given me, that, yeah, that, that yeah he, he never was really married, practiced. but it was sealing after they were married. But there would have been really no purpose in taking all these wives unless it was sexual. I just, well, I, mean, I don't know that he was he, taking, care, taking care of them financially, was he? No, he helped a little bit once in a while, or had the church help. He personally mm -hmm. didn't. But there, the reason the Book of Mormon gives for any polygamy is to raise up is righteous raise seeds. Righteous seed. That's, uh, and, and yet their argument is, well, he didn't have kids with them. So why did he do it? Exactly. Kind of a contradiction <laughs> there, right? It's absolutely a contradiction. Yeah. And it was to help widows and, and to help them financially and all that. But he married married women. He, he, actually, he married very few widows. Yeah. Oh, um, and mostly married, they were married, well, at least a third of them were already married. Eleven of them were married women, and eleven of them were teenagers. You know, I think one of the things that we don't really think about in this whole process is going back to, to actually live through this experience with those people. Yeah. I mean, they were actually going through this and mm -hmm. having a man come in and talking to them about plural marriage and yeah. talking her into marrying me, even though you're married to another person. I mean, those things are real. Like you but say. But we just kind of talk about it as though it's just a story. But these are these were real really people happened. in a real situation. And real hurt, real pain, yeah. real agony, agonizing yeah. uh, stories that went 
And the rumors was, must have been terrible for Emma, but oh yeah, anyway. I'm sure Emma had a Emma had a real tough time with it. We know yeah, that yeah. happened. She denied it even. Yeah. Well, thanks, Earl. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. You know, polygamists use biblical passages to justify polygamy, but they ignore context and that God prohibited Old Testament kings from taking multiple wives. If these kings had been obedient, and they had, and they would have also taught the people against polygamy, despite cultural tradition. Some Old Testament men did have many wives and God allowed it and God also allows all of us to sin day after day we are all sinners but God is patient and his patience is designed to lead us to repentance if he wasn't patient but punished all our sins immediately none of us would survive another day so instead of arguing that God allowed Old Testament polygamy we need to be grateful for his patience and ask for his forgiveness and then turn from following what Joseph Smith taught and follow only Jesus. Thank you for watching. God bless. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.